Welcome to the sermon podcast for Restoration Nazarene Church, where we encourage you to be the gospel today so that you can share the gospel tomorrow. Today we are starting a new series, um, and we can do that whether or not this works or not. So we're starting a new series today about our firm foundation, about our, our, our process of building a spiritual house. And if you've ever built a house or you've watched houses being built, there, there's, a, there, there's a process that it goes through. Building a house requires intentionality and it requires purpose throughout each phase that you go through. A house requires a strong foundation. It requires a solid frame and it requires various systems that all work together to ensure a safe environment that can weather all of the storms, especially the heat that we experience here in Phoenix. And this is what we are looking at. The the New Testament describes Christians as being a spiritual house. And in order for our spiritual house as Christians, in order for our spiritual house to weather all the storms, as Amy was talking about, to be able to proclaim that God is a miracle worker no matter the outcome, in order for us to be able to to withstand whatever comes in life, we must have a solid foundation, a solid frame and specific systems in place. And this series, it's going to be a combined effort between Sunday mornings and Wednesday group. And so this is your public invitation to join us on Wednesdays as we will do part of it on Sunday mornings and then the rest of it on Sundays at the Holland's house. This is your invitation And when we think about it, we all have the the, the general blueprint or or the plan, as you see there. We all have the general plan of what our spiritual house would look like. Whether we realize it or not, we have that plan available to us because the Bible provides us with that plan, that blueprint. Now, it looks slightly different from person to to person, but the main concepts are the same. If you haven't noticed, there's been a lot of development out here in the surprise area. And I love watching as all of these new buildings are coming up. I love watching them be constructive because I love to try and figure out what is it that they are building. It always starts out as just a raw piece of land that says for sale. And then somebody buys that land and now the land, they they start to to prepare that land and they starting to flatten it out and then they dig some trenches around it and then they stall electrical systems and plumbing systems into it and as you're watching this you can begin to figure out what it is that they are building because if they're going to build a bunch of new houses in a big development area then they're going to flatten out a bunch of small squares that all line up right next to each other and you can say oh look that's where all the houses are going to go if it's 
going to be a giant building, then it will just be one giant flat rectangle. So as you are watching this, you can begin to narrow down and figure out what it is that they are doing. And then they pour the, the foundation and then they begin putting up the frame, the, the bones of the structure. And at this point, we can even narrow it down further than that. We can tell if it's, let's pretend that it's a giant building that's going up. We can tell if it's going to be a giant warehouse or assembly line versus another building because a giant warehouse or assembly will have a bunch of those big like garage doors that are several feet up off the ground so that the semis can back up to it. We passed one while we were driving yesterday and we saw the frame and you could see the outline of all the garage doors and it was very obvious that that would be some type of a warehouse or assembly line. Or if it's going to be some type of a, a business on like a busy street corner, then as they put up the frames, they begin to make some of these really cool designs. And if it's a, a chain restaurant or something, you can begin to figure it out by this rough outline of whatever that is going to be. And sometimes they will even throw a sign up there that says Chick-fil-A coming soon or something, uh, but they don't always do that. And without that sign, it can still be a little hard hard to tell. But then they put up all the siding and the finishes, they paint it and it really begins to take shape. And then you can really start to figure out what business it is going to be. No matter what is being built, the process is very similar. And step by step, we can begin to narrow down what is being built. Because the way that things are done determines the outcome of the building. And in the same way, we are all different. We're all made with our own gifts and strengths. But the process of us being built up in Christ is very similar. And step by step, people should be able to look at us and identify Christ inside of us. Sometimes it's easy to distinguish between a Christian and a, a non-Christian, somebody that follows Jesus and somebody that doesn't. But sometimes it's not always that easy to tell this apart. Jesus even tells us that sometimes it'll be diff difficult. He says that eventually you will be able to tell the difference between a true disciple and a fake disciple by the fruit that they will eventually produce. Meaning you might not always be able to immediately tell the difference, but eventually it should become fairly obvious by the way that they live their life. So then if we desire to follow Jesus, if that is what we desire here sitting in this room or joining us online, if we desire to follow Jesus, then how do we get to that place? How do we get to the place of producing fruit? We might even have to back up a step and ask, do you even desire to produce the fruit? Do we desire to live a life for Jesus that is different than the world around us? And this is the idea of this new series. This, this idea is to walk through what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to produce fruit? How do we go through this process of being built up into a strong house on a solid foundation in order to endure this life? But this begins with our desire. 
How much do we desire to follow Jesus? How much is our relationship with Jesus worth to us? Like, like how important is it really to us? When we look at our own life, how much of a priority do we give to Jesus? How much of our time is spent for Jesus? How much of our resources is spent for Jesus? And when other people look at our life, do they know how much of a priority we place on Jesus? One of the first steps that we take in this process of, of being built up into a spiritual house is purchasing the land that we will build upon. And I use that word purchase because there is a cost involved. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells us three parables in a row that talk about this cost. He, he's talking about the value of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And I know that we, we hear that word heaven and we often immediately think of life after death. We immediately think of this future place that, that we, we may eventually go to. But Jesus, when, when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's not just talking about a future destination. He is also talking about the reality of life today, the kingdom of heaven with us today. He says this in, in Luke chapter 17, verse 20 through 21. He, he says, once on being asked by a Pharisee, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus is saying that we shouldn't think of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven as just a location that we will eventually go to. But instead, we should think of it as a reality of life. The kingdom of heaven is in our midst right now, Jesus says. It's in our midst today, right here and now, and it will be in our midst when we die as well. And this phrase, in your midst, in Greek, it really means that it is within you or it is within us. And so the kingdom of heaven is within us. It is in our midst. So backing up earlier in Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells us these three parables to describe the kingdom of heaven, which is in our midst and available to us. He's talking about the cost that is associated with this. Matthew 13, verse 44 the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Now this is just a, a parable, a story that Jesus made up in order to help us understand the truth. So try to picture this scene for a moment. There's this man that is in a field and we don't really know why he is there. Maybe he's, he's a worker like a farmer in this field and he's working on the field or maybe he was just randomly walking through the field. Either way, there's a man in a field and somehow he stumbles across this, this treasure that was once hidden and somehow he discovers 
discovers it. He finds this treasure. And this treasure is apparently worth more than anything he has ever seen before. And so he immediately hides the treasure again, runs back home, sells everything that he owns so that he can buy this field so that the treasure would now legally be his. And then Jesus tells this second parable, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The first parable was a man that accidentally finds this treasure without actually seeking it first. This parable, however, is about a man that was looking for the treasure. This merchant is seeking this treasure and once he finds it, he immediately sells everything that he owns to obtain this treasure. Both of these parables are about people who find this great treasure. They immediately know its great value and then they sell everything they own to get it. Now, can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine finding something in life that you would be willing to sell everything that you own? Sell your house, your vehicles, to sell all of your toys and your electronics, to, to sell all of your family heirlooms that have been passed down from generation to, to generation. You sell all of your pictures. You sell all of your clothes, your jewelry. You completely empty your bank account. You sell all of your investments. You withdraw everything from your retirement accounts. You literally get rid of every single thing that you own in order order to sell it or trade it for this one treasure. Can you imagine actually doing that? I don't know if, if I could, as I think through what is the value of this treasure, would I really be willing to get rid of everything that I have in order to get a treasure? But it's even more crazy to think about doing that for something that is not tangible, to do that for the kingdom of heaven. Would you sell everything for the kingdom of heaven? Would you sell everything to follow Jesus? A bit later in Matthew's gospel, there's a story of a rich man. And this rich man walks up to Jesus and he asks him what he has to do in order to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus responds, this is chapter 19, verse 21. Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Jesus says that the price is high. The price was to sell everything and then to follow him. And this price was too high for this rich man. So the rich man in this story, the rich man walks away sad because it's, the price is too high for him. And as the rich man walks away, Jesus turns to his disciples and said, verse 23, he says, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich 
to enter the kingdom of God. There is a cost to following Jesus. There is a cost to inheriting the kingdom of God, both now and in the future. Jesus' point with these first two parables is that the kingdom of heaven is of great value. And these two individuals from the parables, the guy in the field and the merchant, they understood the cost. And they were happy, filled with joy to sell everything that they owned in order to obtain this treasure. So I ask again, is your relationship with Jesus worth this much to you? If you follow Jesus today, how much did it cost you? How much did you have to give up to follow Jesus? How much of your life did you change or surrender to him? These two men from the parable, they sold everything and now their life would never be the same again. And there's something that, that's worth noticing with these two parables. The, the kingdom of heaven, this, this great treasure, started off as hidden to both of them. The man walking through the fields, he did not own the treasure. He could not see the treasure at first. It was hidden to him. The merchant was even actively looking for it, meaning that he didn't have it in the first place. It was still hidden to him. He had to go actively seek it before he could find it. But the moment they found it, they immediately understood its worth. Some people go through life without ever seeking the truth. Like the man walking through the field who was not on a mission to find this treasure. Some people like the man, they just walk through life, just going with the flow. They never actually look to find the truth. But then something happens in their life where they are presented with this treasure. They stumble across it and then their life changes forever. And there are other people that go through life actively searching for this truth. And once they find it, their life changes forever. What these two have in common is that at the moment when, when they first started, they did not have the treasure. Then they found the treasure. Then they sold everything that they owned to obtain this treasure. And then their lives were changed forever. It's a process, a very specific order that these individuals went through. Their lives were not changed first. They were not given the treasure first and then later paid the price. It's not like a credit card where you can make a purchase but then pay it later. These men, they saw the treasure and then paid the price. And once they paid the price, then they received this new life. Then their lives were changed. In order for us to be built up into a spiritual house, we must purchase the land. We must purchase this treasure. But again, are we really willing to give up everything we own for this? Are we willing to sell everything we own to follow Jesus? Are we willing to walk away completely from our old life 
in order to follow Jesus? Are we willing to surrender our entire life to Christ? Some people are. Some people, like these two men in the parables, they are willing. The disciples of Jesus, all 12 of them and however many extra there were, they were all willing to leave everything behind to follow Jesus. And then the several Christians that came after Jesus, they were all willing to leave everything behind. They were even willing to die for Jesus. But there are some people who are not willing to pay this price. There are some people who are like the rich man. They see the treasure. They understand its worth and its value. They hear the price, but they say, no, thank you. That price is too high for me. And Jesus wants us to understand that as he continues in his third parable, verse 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This, this parable has two aspects to it. The first aspect is about the future. The, the end of the age, Jesus says that, that the fishermen, this analogy of the fishermen, meaning God, he will wait until the net is full. He has already cast out the net from the boat and he will wait until that net is full. And then once that net is full, he will then pull them up to shore and then he will sort between the good fish and the bad fish, which means that there is a clear difference between the good fish and the bad fish. There is a clear difference between a true Christian and a fake Christian. Between those who follow Christ and those who don't. And this is referencing the end of the age. The end is when the net is full. When will that be? We don't know, but it will happen eventually. That is the first aspect that Jesus is talking about. The second aspect is talking about the, the here and now, the present tense. What he describes is the net has already been cast. And until that, the end of the age, until the net is pulled up, there's still stuff that's going on. All of the fish are swimming together. The good fish and the bad fish are swimming together. The net has already been cast down and it's been cast down upon all of them. And what this means is that God is revealing the treasure. All fish can see this net. Everybody can see this treasure. Everyone has the ability to find it. Some people will pay the price. They will become a new creation. They will become a good fish that in the end of the age will be put into the good basket. But others will find it and not pay the price. They will remain as they were. They will remain as a bad fish that will be tossed back into the sea. I said a moment ago that there's, there's an order to this. Before we can experience the treasure, we must first surrender everything. 
And these three parables help us understand that before we pay the price, God reveals the treasure to us. And so the very first step has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with God. God revealed the hidden treasure in the field to this man. God revealed this hidden pearl for the merchant. God sends down the net, this treasure, this kingdom of heaven to all of the fish. God is the one that acts first. God reveals his kingdom to us first. And once he reveals it, then we see the value of it. And once we see the value of it, then we make the choice of whether or not we're able to pay for it or not. After Jesus tells these three parables, he leaves the crowds that he was teaching. And then he talks to his disciples in private. Verse 51. Jesus asked, have you understood all these things? Yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Jesus is making sure that the disciples understand what he is saying. Jesus has a, a few points to make with all of this. First, he says that the kingdom of heaven, both now and the future, is available to everyone. The net is large that is gathering all fish together. Everybody has the ability to receive it. Second, he says that the cost is high. This gift cost Jesus his life. He suffered and died on the cross for us. The cost was high for Jesus. And the cost is high for us. The, the treasure is so valuable that we must be willing to get rid of everything that we own. It means that we must surrender everything. Jesus should be worth so much to us. That if God asked us to, we wouldn't even hesitate to sell everything we own to follow him. It means that, that we completely surrender our old way of living. We leave our old life of sin behind. It means that Jesus becomes number one priority. We no longer have a separation in our life where Jesus gets this part, but this part remains mine. Instead, Jesus gets it all. And this is a high cost. It is not easy. And sometimes it's not even fun. But it is worth it. And we are only able to do it because the Holy Spirit enables us and empowers us to do so. We're only able to surrender it all because the Holy Spirit comes in and cleanses us out and gives us the power to do that. And if you notice what Jesus is saying, he says, God acts first. He reveals everything first. Then we get to make the choice if we choose yes, if we choose to surrender at all, we don't have to do all of the hard work because then God acts again through the Holy Spirit to do the actual cleansing, to give us the power to, to say no to all of the sin that we had been doing, to step into this new life, to completely change and surrender everything. The third point that Jesus has is that 
Once we receive this treasure, there is something that we have to do with it. He said in verse 52, he said, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of this storeroom new treasures as well as old. What Jesus is saying is that we don't keep the treasure for ourselves. We don't take the treasure and lock it up in our storeroom. We don't throw it in a bank account. We don't put it in a shoebox and hide it underneath our bed. But instead, we take it out of our house and we share it with the world. We should desire to share it. And it's not that we are prideful. We aren't going around boasting about the treasure that we have. Instead, we are sharing it with other people. In other words, we aren't bragging to people, but instead we are bringing people to see the treasure of Christ. The first step throughout this entire series that we're walking through, the first step in becoming a strong spiritual house is to purchase the land. And this purchase requires a cost. And the cost is in the form of a sacrifice. Discipleship, meaning to follow Jesus. Discipleship is a free gift with a high price. Jesus freely gave it to us, but it cost him his life. And we can freely receive and accept this gift, but it will cost us everything. So let me ask you the questions that I asked at the beginning. When people look at your life, are they able to quickly identify you as a Christian? Can they see how much you love and desire Jesus? And if they can, then are you sharing the treasure with other people? Are you helping other people see its value? But if they can't see how much you desire Jesus, then why not? Do you desire to follow Jesus? Have you surrendered it all and paid the price to obtain this treasure? Have you walked away from the old life of sin? Walked away from the things that are distracting you from Christ? And have you shared this new treasure with other people? Have you shifted around all of your priorities in life so that Jesus is first. The process that we see in all of these parables is easy to follow. First, God reveals the treasure to us. And he has already done that. Jesus already died on the cross for us. The treasure is no longer hidden for anybody. We can read about it in the Bible. We can experience it through our Christian community. This treasure is real and it is here. Second, we, we must surrender everything in order to receive it. But how do we do that? First, we have to want to surrender everything. It starts with that desire. We must desire Jesus. And then it requires a step of faith. And it's considered a step of faith because we surrender first before we receive anything, before we receive this treasure, this, this complete blessing. 
and then we make Jesus our number one priority. It means that we consider Jesus more valuable than our stuff, than our time, more valuable than our own life. There's a reason that Jesus says it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom. Because the more value we place on our things or on our own life, the harder it is to let all of that go. Have you ever ha tried to stick your hand into a small hole to grab something and once you grab hold of it, then you can't quite get your hand back out because now your fist is too big and in order to get your hand out, you have to completely let the thing go in order to get your hand back out. I think it's like that sometimes that, that God wants us to, to accept this. He wants us to surrender, but we're just stuck holding on to everything in our life that we can't even do it. We say, God, I'm trying. I'm trying so hard to fit through this hole. I'm trying so hard. I desire to do it. And Jesus, like the rich man, he says, great, then let go of everything. Once you let go of everything, it is easy to then follow me. I think this is sometimes why it takes people hitting rock bottom to make the choice. Because at that moment, once they've hit rock bottom, they no longer desire all of their stuff. They no longer desire their, love, their life as much as they do Jesus. And so it's no problem for them to just let go and follow. So again, first, God reveals this treasure to us all, which he's already done. And second, we then let go of everything we're holding on to. Our valuables, our pride, our baggage from our life, our family, our own life. And third, once we purchase this land, once we get this treasure, we are then made into a new creation. We then experience a changed life. We get, begin to desire Jesus even more than we did before. We even begin to see the world differently than we once did. And with this new treasure, we do two things. First, we begin to build the rest of our house. And second, we begin to share this treasure with those around us. In other words, as we say here at Arnaz, we be and share the gospel. God has already done the hard part. He has already offered this, this high costly gift to us for free. Our response and our next step is to surrender. And this surrender, it's a continual process. We surrender at first. We drop everything to follow him in order to receive it. But then we continue to surrender. And as we continue to surrender, we then continue to grow in Christ. And so this morning, we are going to surrender. And it doesn't matter if this is the first time that you've ever surrendered or the millionth time. The Christian life is a daily surrender to Christ. It's a daily journey with Christ. And so this morning we will surrender. We will receive communion together. And we will worship with one song together. Sabrina's passing out the communion now.
Once you get it, just hold on to it for a moment. You can set it aside. Before we receive communion, we're, we're going to sing a song. But before we sing that song, I want you to pray with me. I want us to take a, a moment to surrender. A moment to, to maybe confess any sins that we have or any areas that we are holding back. We'll take a moment to, to just sit in God's presence. A moment to let go so that we can then receive. God, help us surrender. We surrender our life. We let go of the things we're holding on to. God, in this moment, we are choosing you. God, in this moment, we come to just seek your face. Everything else in our life can wait because we are here for you. God, in this moment, we desire to just be at your feet in your presence. God, give us the strength to surrender. God, we give you the glory and the praise. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to continue the conversation and connect with you. Comment, like, subscribe, follow us on the socials at rnaschurch or our website, rnaz.church.